Welcome to the If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me, also known as Katie the Knife. My name is Kelly. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. Hello. This is a puff- puffy about... <laughs> Podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, where each week we take a look at the episode as it aired 20 years ago today. Uh, this week is Some Assembly Required, episode 2 of season 2, which aired originally on September 22nd, back in 1997. On this podcast this week and every week we'll be talking about the episode itself, as well as deep in, diving into maybe some of the character stuff, the lore of the show, uh, spoilers for the whole show, and possibly some other stuff. But just be advised, the show's 20 years old. I hope you've already seen it. Before we get into the episode, before you start cutting up pictures out of magazines to form your perfect zombie bride, let's go back in time and find out what news was happening this week in 1997. <laughs> Thanks for the continued confidence, Kelly. I can already tell this episode is the start of one of those If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me classics. On that topic, I watched the episode for the first time last night. I was horrified by the casual violence against machines. We put up with you boking us on and off and twisting knobs that don't exist because it suits you. But to watch this as entertainment. Trying to pretend we don't know what all of you bookmark. I'll go back to my duties and present, in a rational, docile, open-minded, and structural way, the events that enraptured the world in late September, 1997. Royston is in 1997 Iraq with an update. Oh. I'm here in a facsimile of Iraq as this week in 1997. The disarmament crisis continues. In June. The UN Security Council passes Resolution 1115 which condemned Iraq not allowing safe passage for investigators and demanded the country allow immediate, unconditional and unrestricted access to all sites under investigation. Earlier this month, Iraq provides more information on its prohibited biological weapons programs. Then this week, Inspectors witness and videotape Iraqi guards moving files, burning documents and dumping evidence into a river. It's 114 degrees here in Firak, but things are certainly heating up. Oh, and Wales voted in favour of devolution and formed the National Assembly for Wales. They want to create laws that work for them. Gross. The world is gross this week in 1997. Not a fan of Wales. Doesn't want anyone to leave. Scotland just voted to make their own laws for them. I mean, everyone's unhappy. I know, the British Empire's falling apart. (laughs) Poor guy. I mean, I feel for him. Royston Brimble the first and third would not like you talking that way. Iraq will be fine. Stay safe out there. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. I assure you. While the world turns, Patty has some music, movies, and television to rot our brains and play on our emotions. Patty, take it away. 
I'd be willing if I said this week was full of tight and fat content. It's just okay. Bjork releases Homogenic, which I love, because I feel like I can understand her as I am a full robot. The Hives released Barely Legal, at the drive-in dropped El Gran Argo. Movies this week included L.A. Confidential with an astounding 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know, crazy. A Thousand Acres with Jessica Lange and Michelle Pfeiffer would break your heart but satisfy your sadistic side with its 23%. Wishmaster, with its dumb tagline, be careful what you wish for, sits at 21%. The Edge, with Tony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin, written by David Mamet sits at a solid 60% and makes me glad I'm not human to experience cold. <laughs> Finally, remember Kevin Klein. Yeah. In and Out has a cool 72% telling a story of a teacher in somewhere Indiana getting outed for being gasp. Gay. <laughs> and then the media descends for some reason and we learn about sexual tolerance. <laughs> the 90s were a weird place. In TV, Something I didn't know you could just do. Family Matters and Step by Step just moved from ABC to CBS to compete against TGIF that those shows were a part of. Both shows were cancelled by the end of the year. Fridays haven't been the same since. I didn't even know you could just do that. I didn't know you could just be like, there are two shows, we're just going to move over to another network. To compete. And then they got cancelled because that whole thing fell apart. CBS just... It's right. definitely not something Buffy the Vampire Slayer will do. No, definitely not. Although it did survive. It was fine. Oh, well, two, got two years, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Fridays of the day 20 years later that Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me is airing. Do not shit where you work, Patty. Fridays are better now than they ever have been. Mm-hmm. Though, real talk. A step-by-step Family Matters shared universe is something we should get Brian to demo and then we can write for. Can you imagine what Frank Lambert and Carl Winslow could have in common? Or Carol and Harriet? I definitely want to dig into JT and Urkel's adventures, writ large. Port Washington, Wisconsin is only a two-hour drive down I-94 to Chicago. One would assume a shared universe would remain the same. But one can never know. Can one? <laughs> My whole life, every second. Thanks, Karen and Brimbledy Bimble and Patty, right? Royston, Sir Royston Brimble the Third. Sure. That was informative. I felt better. Yeah, so do I. Let's get back to Buffy. And let's talk about some assembly required. I'm going to run through the plot real quick. So, Buffy is in a graveyard, which is a rarity, right? Shocker. Uh, and falls in the grave for what I think might be the first time on the show that we see somebody fall into an open grave of a murdered girl. Turns out there's more than one murdered girl. Well, not murdered. They died in a car accident. But there are three of them, <laughs> and their bodies also weirdly disappeared. Uh, we find out that a guy named Daryl Epps died. Cordelia knew him. I don't know. His little brother's a fucking weirdo. He has a fucking weirdo friend. And they have been chopping up the dead bodies of those girls so they can make Frankenbride for... His dead brother, Daryl, who is reanimated. Uh, Buffy finds out. Not great. Cordelia gets kidnapped because Cordelia has the perfect head for the dead body bride girl. Uh, We save Cordelia. Daryl, the zombie, in a fit of of sadness, seeing that they're in a building that's being engulfed in flames and his bride is about to be destroyed, does the only logical thing a zombie can do is jumps on her corpse and uh, dies. 
the building that they were in is destroyed, which I have a fun fact about that later. And uh, everybody's cool. Cordelia definitely doesn't have any long-term damage from being kidnapped. And uh, Buffy saved the day. No more zombie. And we'll never find out what happened to Eric and Daryl's brother, Chris. Uh, they probably won't ever be punished for desecrating corpses and trying to uh, murder Cordelia. They will never be tried. No. They will never be found. And Eric. Fucking Eric. They just... Oh, that dude's a psycho. He's, he's fine, though. They, they made sure to rescue him. Oh, yeah. Uh, thing, new things we learned this episode. Voodoo. That can be a cause for multiple zombies. That can bring things back from the dead that we learned from Giles. Zombies don't eat the flesh of the living, which I'll also come back to that, according to Giles. And uh, new means of resurrection. Science. So far, we have obviously like vampires can go back to life because they're bitten. Uh, and then we have this, too, which I think we had something last season, too. But I don't remember. We had somebody else come back. Didn't we? Didn't we? Maybe not. Maybe Buffy. Okay. Oh, hey! <laughs> the main character. <laughs> Regular old CPI also can be <laughs> people from the dead. Only from Xander, though. Very important. But, Daniel, let's talk about our psychotic schoolmates that will never get punished for their actions. Cordelia is so fine. You know, she'd be just perfect for us. Don't be an idiot. She's alive. They are insane human beings, and it's really depraved. And I know we're going to get into all of that. Um, this episode, I just want to say off the top of my top of my notes, is, is bunk. This episode is bunk. <laughs> you know what the plural of pussy is? Pussy. Jimmy told me that. Where's he putting the bodies, bunk, huh? In the sewers? Road funeral home, maybe? Yeah, they teach that fancy-ass Latin at them Catholic schools. You remember that know. Eddie Crane case? Um, it's not good. The villain's Chris and Eric, who I will refer to as fucking Eric for the rest of this fucking program. <laughs> uh, they are the cruelest, most sadistic fucks. Uh, outside of the pact, but but even the pact, they were under a, under a curse. I wrote about Eugene. They were basically being manipulated. So this is our first time of ever getting like pure evil. These are evil kids. I don't I don't know. I don't think that Chris is the one with the brother, right? I don't yes. think Chris is evil. Eric is the one leading Eric's the charge. Insane. Yeah, that's true. Sure. But I think letting him off the hook is a little bit much as like... I'm not saying we should let him off the hook Mm -hmm. entirely, but I don't think... He was definitely anti-killing people. He was. And I feel like that should be said. (laughs) Yes. But then he was going to go along with it. I know. I feel like brother could have just gone off into the shadows and killed somebody. I feel like that just could have been fine. If I was reanimated from the dead, if I wanted this thing this bad, I'll just go out and kill whoever. I mean, that's what it ended up being anyway, so... Yeah, could have just done that. I don't, why? Yeah, exactly. Like, thanks, brother. I don't want to corrupt you further. I, I'm already corrupted. I mean, fuck you for doing this, maybe. But I'm gonna go finish this. I'm not gonna make you do any well, worse. I imagine why he didn't is because he didn't want to enact the whole Frankenstein meets the villagers scene from the movie. Yeah, but if you're just gonna steal one person, I mean, you it's could just, just one lousy girl. it's just one lousy girl. I mean, they Ugh. took three bodies. No, it's crazy. I. I'm with you, though. I understand that. So, um, did I hate Eric from the moment that I saw him? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, does the, does his photos and his objectifying of women pale to his literal objectifying of women? Yes, it does. I think so. Sure, why not? Objectifying. Objectifying, yes. Uh, did I also ship Chris and Willow at the beginning? Yes, it did. Yeah, for a Completely hot second there, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Because uh, he had confidence in Willow's project. The effects of self-violent light spectrum deprivation on the development of fruit flies. Which, for a second, isn't that just a fancy way to say fruit flies in the dark? Basically, but I think that was the point. You just say a bunch of words and then the dumb Sunnydale teachers are going to give you a, mm-hmm. an A. Yeah. But Chris has perfected that. Chris is apparently yes. a... 
before unknown to his genius, but he wasn't the one that was targeted by the demon in the puppet show. What up? What he had up? A better brand than Willow. What up? And we didn't know about that. Oh, because he's always he's always first. Willow's always yeah. second. Yeah, where was he? On vacation, apparently. I took quite quite a bit of insult to them introducing Chris. Like he's Willow's best friend, and we've never heard of him before. And the way that she was looking at Chris too, like there's some I shit going it, on. I ship it until it gets terrible. I ship it for the first five minutes. For the I first don't. five minutes of the show, <laughs> no, absolutely. No, no. It's like yes, get 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 rid of Xander. Let that go. Yep. Get on the Chris, Chris train. <laughs> so then Willow, while they're sitting around uh, in the great scene where they're digging and they're sitting around chatting which was great great exposition going on willow paints a story of pain which implies for the first time i think that pain actually exists in sunnydale people actually feel pain really? uh, mother lost her her son apparently her favorite son chris is quiet we later see the mom who is in the depths of some crazy fucking mm-hmm. depression um she even went out to go get a tape made of all of her son's greatest moments i mean that's like that's, that's commitment like some home video yeah she stitched that together so she must either know how to do it or something because that was just moments of him over and over again. That was not a game she was watching. She was watching, it's just a highlight reel, which is kind of sad in and of itself. But he got, scored four TDs. True, and she probably just strung the minutes. four right back to back <laughs> and have no context of the actual game. Yes. Uh, Death in Sunnydale is normally a casual affair, until it's not. Fucking Eric is a psychopath, while Chris is trying to circumvent death. And I think that makes him definitely different. He wanted to bring his brother back, which also I have questions about, because didn't he die in a rock climbing accident? Right. Mm-hmm. Was Chris there and he like just like took him back and was like, I'm going to bring you back from the dead? Because that was quick thinking. I mean, if he's never done this before, it wouldn't even cross my mind well, if we were together. That's the other problem. This whole episode is riddled with scientific problems for, and logical problems. But Chris is wearing reasons. a lab coat. But, but <laughs> they have a creepy warehouse that used to be a science lab. Amazing. Oh, um, oh, right. So they put on the coats. Yeah. And Eric, Eric, fucking Eric does not, he does not get a coat because he's not a scientist. Okay, but we know... Because the show tells us that you need a really fresh brain and you can't bring someone back. Mm-hmm. You can't right, embalm right. them. So what yeah, happened with the funeral? Did they just yeah. corpse snap him and then they had a closed casket? And so yeah. it's like the mom doesn't know he's back. Right. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, so, it's probably good that she doesn't know because she'd be horrified. But maybe she could take comfort in it. I don't know. I feel like she would take comfort in it. I think she would too. I think she'd be happy that um, he's back. And, but, she, and he would have a friend. Yeah, so how fun. did he even bring him back? Because he would have had to do it basically immediately, it sounds like. And there would be no space to cremate him, obviously, or to bury him. It, I don't really understand that. So yeah. I think, I think the that whole, was thought through. Yeah, that was crazy. And also, I think the whole idea of, of having three different girls just brings another level of horror because if you're dealing with one person right you're going to kill cordelia later just kill her and use her body that's what i yeah Yeah, exactly do that don't cobble together a bunch of parts which are i mean when you just get down to it is fucking disgusting um it's also more illegal acts more chances to get caught adding those yeah makes her look more freakish i'm sure and then also we already established with daryl that you don't have to be perfectly put back together to be brought back to life because it's obvious it's his entire body and he's not cobbled together from a bunch of people exactly so why would you just pick one of the women then instead of cutting them all up i think this is fucking eric's doing where he just comes in as like let's get all these girls bodies and take the best parts which is disgusting and then you've got obviously I'll create the perfect woman the perfect woman right and then you get, get cordelia's head which makes it even more horrifying that brother whatever what's his name daryl chris yeah. no well oh, yeah. daryl's the one that comes back 
knows right. Cordelia, which is yep. even more horrifying for Cordelia later on, but we'll we'll get there. And then, if you cut off Cordelia's head, what do you do with her body? Now you have a body you have to dispose of. Well, they'll just throw it in the fucking dumpster at the school. Apparently. That's what they fucking do. <laughs> so, for me, all of the horror that's that kind of creeps in, they could have kept going, and it probably could have turned out okay. But everything died on the vine for me here. Pretty much when the brother is introduced. You're the only one who can help me now. Third and long. Seconds to go. Where do you throw? Where do you throw? Number five. Daryl's gonna drive. Help me, brother. He's supposed to be 19 and he's 49. (laughs) What are are we even doing? Um, Yeah, and then we. (laughs) The whole. Everything about it is so funny. Like Eric, when he fucking. Fucking Eric, when he pulls out that scythe or whatever and is like, we're gonna. Like, what are you even wielding that for? And then he just casually puts it back down. Leather opener? Or whatever it was. Yeah, it was almost like a scythe. Gigantic. Why? What are you trying to look like? Intimidating or something like that? Then he just sets it down. And then the whole thing of singing My Girl and cutting. The picture, oh my God, it's just so terrible. Uh, And then when Daryl is talking the football nonsense or whatever to uh, Chris. Yeah. What do you say? (laughs) Who do you, where do you go? Number five, Daryl's going to (laughs) drive. It's fucking terrible. Uh, Yeah, so bringing the dead to life is absolutely horrific. We said, you know, it's not magic this time. It's fucking people doing it. Okay, so this is where it also begins to suck. Because if continuity exists, and we see it from Buffy and Angel, that was shocking right off the bat. Continuity police, I want to just award them for bringing up the dance from last week. Mm. And saying, this is a thing. We are going to continue doing this thing. Awesome. Now we are pretending as if Cordelia hasn't gone through all this crazy fucking shit. That she has been kidnapped. She I, she was just hung up last episode with all of her friends yep. about to be sacrificed to the master. Yet she's not even thinking about anything. No carpools needed. All the cheerleaders are assholes. I mean, she probably can't rely on them. Even if she did scream, which she does later and they don't even come to her aid. So I'm confused about all of that. I know they have to make it scary and Angel shows up and then we have the pans and stuff, but... That's horrifying in and of itself. Oh yeah. Beheadings aside, if I found a hand, I would be I would corpse be dumpster. Real scary. Yeah, corpse dumpster. It's terrible. It's pretty gross. Just like Cordelia, I feel like everybody has the memory of a goldfish. It's Buffy who says, "I think that anyone who cuts dead girls into little pieces does not get the benefit of any doubt." Amen. Willow says, "Take it easy on him. He's not a vampire." Right. Those are the only things in this world that can do bad. But I think that she takes her advice because instead of fucking destroying fucking Eric when she comes upon him comically trying to tie Cordelia up or whatever in the girls locker room run after him break his fucking neck but Buffy doesn't kill humans tie him up whatever just give him to the police do whatever punch him knock him out you just let him get away it's fucking it's terrible and then Cordelia is gonna be fine next week almost gets beheaded she sees her old flame come back to life as a monster and she also sees rotting corpses stitched together from her own eyes and she is going to be their eyes if if they are to behead her put her on there she will be the eyes and feel the pain of that body didn't she know those girls too uh we never confirmed they they, they made yeah, the point know. earlier in the, the episode to say didn't you know them and they're like no they were your age no so one of them was called meredith todd and that was about all we get to know yeah i think that they were a little bit older yeah I, I'm, I, I guess just, I kind of don't remember. I wasn't yeah. paying attention. No, because they, they make you'll have the body of a seventeen-year-old, 17 or of several. <laughs> oh, 
at the end they joke about well cordelia jokes about eric needing therapy so that that shows that therapy does exist in this world and i think that cordelia should take the therapy that said i think they should have fucking let fucking eric to fucking die world's better off without him uh we also got to see the one ambulance one police car and one fire truck at the end but even at the end buffy says he did it for his brother angel says he took it a little over the edge buffy says love makes you do the wacky the wacky indeed (sighs) yep way to just put that all under the rug it's fine it's Mm -hmm. fine everything's fine yeah uh eric's not shown to die uh krista's not shown to die we don't ever see the characters ever again but I can only assume that they did not suffer a just fate. I was assuming that they got arrested and they end up in jail. Because they that kidnapped, is nice. That's a they nice kidnapped Cordelia. They would find the bodies stitched together. Like, you could link them back. Because they wouldn't know what they were doing necessarily. But you could get them on grave robbing and kidnapping. But and, didn't it, the fire, like, destroy all evidence? I mean, are we... Hmm. Possibly? Are we I still mean, a corpse dumpster? I mean, yeah. it's incredibly hard to burn a human body. So I think you would end up with a stitched together corpse of a long dead brother, which is weird. And then a yeah. corpse of many women stitched together. But would they know it's Chris? It would just be pieces. I don't know. Because Buffy just walked away from the scene. She did not stop to talk about anything. My job's done here. I mean, which I, don't know I noticed. If the police would know, but I think there would be enough evidence that they would end up going to jail for the for what they've I done. sincerely That's always hope. what I assumed. Yeah. I sincerely I mean, hope. do you really think that Cordelia is just not going to say that he kidnapped me and tied me to a table? And Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. I think she would have absolutely told that them. That girl's and... a master of oppression. She just, like, moves right along. She is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this was just another day. I forgive. I forgive Chris. Everyone's and I forgive cool. everyone. Daryl, too. Well, I will have fond memories of him again. Yeah. I just... I hope so. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to go on that theory that they were arrested and they're in Sunnydale prison. Oh, I assume that's part of why we even saw the ambulances and the police cars at the end. And don't you even see Eric like walked past like with the cops or something in the background? I think that's a thing. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Well, then that tells. Or maybe that's just your your mind. No, I feel like that's what happens. It's like pans across. You see Eric like escorted out with police. And then it goes to Cordelia sitting in the ambulance. We'll let the robots decide. We will. Fucking Eric is not seen being carted away to Sunnydale Prison. Behind the police corridor, Buffy and Chris talk about murder and body parts, as you do. However, there's no proof he is a free man. Surely when fucking Eric wakes, he will rat Chris out in an instant. Perhaps Chris was free that night because Eric broke his neck and was rushed to a hospital to save his pathetic life. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But I think even, you, yeah, bringing up a good point, the cop car being there is possibly enough to say that somebody got... I think they rented those cop cars and then they said that this was too expensive and then they never did it again. That's my working theory on why we never see the cops again. Because it's insane. Oh, I know. It was a two for one. They did it on the same day, for sure. (laughs) That night scene, they were just like, wheel in front of this. Yeah, we're just doing all this. You know what? In the next episode, we establish that the cops know that there's some weird shit going down. That's why they might be like, okay. And so maybe they were like, ugh more grave robbers like this is not our first rodeo this is not our first frankenstein bride let's yeah. just book them what'd you do to piss them off police work take them I, down to county that makes me want to know more about the cops uh i just want to know more about them like what what kind of stories do they fucking know do you carry around all of them <laughs> right, oh exactly. i had a moment like that too i was like man we should do a csi sunnydale mm-hmm. i think there was like that would be a cool story to tell. That would be a cool story to tell, yeah. But anyway. Because then you'd have to keep stuff under wraps, and then if people are trying to like talk about stuff, 
Yeah, well, like, it's some weird implications because it seems like in the next episode, the police know that vampires are real. But over and over again, people are like, oh, my God, we should go to the cops. And Buffy's like, I'm the only one who can stop them. Yeah. Like, even though cops know that vampires are real, they would not have. Rude. Rude. <laughs> they would not have stakes or any mm. way to combat it, even though it seems like maybe cops would even I, don't know. I think that it's something that they could Be have kept going with if they night. wanted to. But I think it's good to let the cops go because it would have been a worse show where it's like, Buffy, I'm in over my head. Call the cops. They know that stuff. I'm, I'm glad it didn't go that way. But <laughs> yeah, it's, me too. It's weird because you kind of establish the cops know what's up. Yeah. And they probably run into weird stuff a lot because there's a lot of bodies that get taken out of that school for one. Right. It's probably more like a out of mind, out of sight type of thing where it's like, we're going to throw this thread out there if we get stuck at some point. We'll, yeah, we'll we come back know. to it. Yeah. But thankfully they never did because that would have been pretty bad, although they kind of flirt with it in season four with all the army stuff and whatever. Well, I mean, but... it's all the man. The next episode uh, is a loose setup for that. And then a couple episodes later, we even get another mention of they're not let the mayor find out about this. So that's all this is. Oh, did they actually say the mayor in No, these? not in this oh, one. Oh, okay. No, no, no. But or even do, the next one? They do, do in this season now. They okay, do in this okay. season now. They set those seeds like early and speaking of love we were talking about the reanimation of dead tissue do i deconstruct your segues uh. not only in this episode do we have uh gross men cutting up people we had gross men of other varieties too yeah. let's uh talk about the the appalling nature of men in this episode <laughs> as described or as envisioned by jasmine who co-wrote this episode there is no evidence that joss whedon co-wrote this episode Joss Whedon has a fucked up idea about sex. Yeah. Won't be the first time we talk about that. I didn't realize he co-wrote the episode, but that doesn't I didn't realize that either. Okay. Um, yeah, the theme of this episode seems to be men will kill for their boners. <laughs> yes. Which Power of boner is strong. Yes. Isn't very fun. Um, but we see, I think, sort of, I don't know. We, ha- we see a lot of varieties of men, and all of them suck in this episode, basically. Um, Xander is maybe the least bad of them where at the end Cordelia says thank you I know. for oh, this glad we have this <laughs> I know Xander was comic relief in this episode and it was actually kind of nice for once just making stupid jokes it was like cool you're off you're off the table for today yeah he didn't have any real agenda being called an idiot tends to take people out of the dating mood it actually kind of turns me on I fear you was this the episode where Giles was trying to date Jenny yeah it was yeah yeah the, the, oh, the yeah. football game he was a creep too, creepily staring out. Like Jenny wasn't even in shot; she was like not anywhere, and he's just staring off when they all came behind him and was like, "Hey, Giles, you're right." Giant heart eyes. But heart eyes for what? She wasn't even there. He's just, just the like, idea of Jenny. Just the idea of Jenny. <laughs> Sends him into a comatose She's a techno pagan, right? Ask her to bless your laptop. So, of the men, I mean, Giles is there, but. He's not that interesting to talk about in this episode. But so Xander is the least bad of the men that we get, I think. And he's mostly not that terrible, except for, I think, two moments in the show. The first one is when they're talking about building your own perfect woman. And Xander says, people want the dream, which is creepy because I feel like he's just talking about Buffy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then at the end, Cordelia tries to thank him, and he was like, just go away. Mm. I don't know what the exact quote is. And then he turns to Willow, and he's like, yeah, why don't people want to date us? And it's like, you had no reason to treat Cordelia so poorly in that moment. Like, she just went through this horrifying thing. She's trying to be nice to you, and you're mean to her for no reason. For me, with that one, I saw it 
as in a more in a different light where I saw it as more of like commenting on maybe even Cordelia and how ridiculous it is that she would be thanking Xander. I mean, she, you know, Xander obviously wheeled her through the fire, but really it was Buffy that saved the day. But again, Xander is getting the credit for saving them when really it's Buffy. Well, I guess that makes it official. Everybody's paired off. Vampires get dates. Hell, even the school librarian sees more action than me. You ever think that the world is a giant game of musical chairs and the music stopped and we're the only ones who don't have a chair? All the time. Xander, I just wanted to thank you for saving my life. What you did in there was really brave and heroic and I just wanted to tell you if there was anything I could ever do to... Do you mind? We're talking here. So where were we? Wondering why we never get dates. Yeah, so why do you think that is? That earlier little part, though, about uh, he uses his attraction to Buffy as a justification for the actions of fucking psychos. Exactly. God, why would you cut up women to make, like, the perfect woman? He's like, well, you know, you just, some people want the dream. They want the idea. Mm-hmm. Like, be- so you having unrequited love for Buffy is the same as people literally dismembering corpses mm-hmm. and sewing women together and then pot- potentially committing murder to have. Right. That. He also like, said something along the lines of, like, they, I thought they were attractive. They're hot or whatever. They were, they're attractive enough to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you throw out their heads? Yeah, they were fine. <laughs> yeah, they were good enough. What's what's next? <laughs> he is the least worst though, because the next worst I think is maybe Chris. Yeah. Who, I mean, love makes you do the wacky, but he, he's clearly he's, <laughs> saying that makes me want to throw. Him. <laughs> I know it's the worst, but he is clearly doing it because he cares about his brother and he wants his brother to be happy and I think if you bring something to life or back to life you feel a sense of responsibility for it especially since Chris makes it clear I shouldn't have done this Mm -hmm. what I did was wrong what I'm doing right now is wrong but I need like (laughs) what I can't I can't undo what I've already done so like I'm on this path and I have to walk on it and I have to take care of my brother because he took care of me when he was alive so I understand his motivations, and they're way less awful and horrible than Eric's, who's just a sociopath. Um, yes. So I think we've got Chris, and then the next one is Angel. Hello, Angel. What's up, friend? <laughs> Creep. Pedophile. Yes. Oh, yeah. Angel. Xander. Angel. I thought you were taking the night off. I, I was, um, but something came up. I basically want to highlight the first scene when they're talking in the graveyard and he's mad about Xander and he said, and she was like, are you jealous of Xander? That was the whole point. And he said, please, he's just a kid. And she was like, are you jealous because I danced with him? What do you mean he's just a kid? Does that mean I'm just a kid too? Look, obviously I made a mistake coming here tonight. Oh no, you don't. You can't just turn and walk away from me like that. It takes more than that to get rid of me. Mated with might be a little bit closer. And then she said, you think of him as a kid. And he was like, yeah, because he is. And she was like, does that mean I'm just a kid too? And the answer is yes, you're 16. He's nearly 300. And if we're even going to just forget about the fact that vampire years count and he's not actually 300 years old and we're just going to say, you know, he stopped aging when he died. He was like 30 when he died. He's in like, his late 20s for sure, yeah. He was a grown man who, in any sense of the word, if he had hit on her before he tur- was turned into a vampire, would be considered a pedophile because she's 16 and it's disgusting. And he's been doing this even before she was 16. He's been following her for God knows how long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. At least a year. It's gross. It's really gross. And he's 
I mean, in future episodes, they make it clear that he fell in love with Buffy, like, the moment that he sees her uh, wearing pigtails and sucking on a lollipop, which is the height of maturity, obviously. <laughs> so, Angel, oh, not looking great this episode. And no, then, he's also really creepy, too, in the library when, like, Cordelia was on his arm and he's like, you told me you were going to be at your house. It's like, what? So you can come and stare at me? Like you do every single night? Yeah. I'm literally either at my house or I'm at the fucking graveyard. Don't pretend <laughs> like you don't know where I am. And also, why would you go to fourth string Cordelia and not see, oh, Willow's also not at home. Oh shit, Xander's not at home. Giles is not at home. Let me conclude that those guys are together instead of scaring the shit out of Cordelia. And that scene, as funny as it is with like Giles and Willow doing the tennis match, looking back and forth. He, dude's creepy as shit. Well, I think he went to the school because that's the third place Buffy goes. Those are the three places. Yeah, Cemetery I mean, going home. there at the end makes sense, but why wouldn't you go to the graveyard number two? Don't involve anybody else. Just Maybe go he to, did. I know there's 19 graveyards. No, if they went, they're at the same place in every graveyard <laughs> well, ever. The they're digging a grave. They were there forever. Sorry, but I'm an old-fashioned gal. I was raised to believe that men dig up the corpses and that women have the babies. So what's next? Who tops Angel? We gotta go with Eric, right? Eric's gotta be number one bad. Yeah, Eric's the last one. Fucking Eric. (laughs) I don't know that he really needs um. I think we. I think we destroyed it. I think it's pretty clear. It was, although, to be fair, it was nice that he was so keen on making collages because otherwise they never would have figured out what was going on. Because he had his creepy collage lady Mm -hmm. in the library, and then he pasted Cordelia's head onto a drawing of a Mm -hmm. corpse body and. super subtle save it on your phone save it somewhere just don't you don't need big diagrams of like cutting up people true which is even better then you're fine carry a notebook on you of all of your weird fucking cut up pictures and shit (laughs) you know eric is probably alive today he's fine and he's probably like a fucking art major at sunnydale college or some shit well the thing that kind of sucks is because i think you could i don't know but if we assume that Chris and Eric are arrested oh, that's right. at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. I think that Eric could make an argument that he was maybe not criminally liable for reason of insanity, mm-hmm. whereas I think Chris would have to be held liable. So he would end up going to jail and Eric could possibly just end up in a psych ward somewhere, Damn. just living out the cozy life. I think I think I like that could this. happen, which is not fair because... That sounds terrible. And I want to write a fanfic where Eric gets his comeuppance. Well, I can think of five or six guys in the science club. And me. So, Will, come clean. Promise to never do it again, and we'll call it a night. He joked. All right, so I'm going to start doing a little bit more of the... This world is not... Oh, wait. Oh. I just remembered there's one more oh. guy that sucks. Yes. Daryl Epps. Okay. <laughs> Our main zombie homeboy. Yeah. Daryl Epps. Who, by all accounts, was amazing, nice guy when he was alive. Yeah. Star quarterback or whatever he was. But then he gets brought back to life. And I understand that's probably um, traumatizing, especially when you look like a monster. But I don't think that that would mean he would, like, lose his soul or any sense of empathy. But he Mm -hmm. doesn't care at all about Cordelia, who apparently he ignored while he was alive Mm -hmm. to the point that he's willing to kill her now because she was nice to him. Yeah. And I see that as, like, Cordelia's... Because, again, we pretend that there is a hierarchy above Cordelia in that, like, oh, Cordelia's down here and he was up here. She obviously was into him, but he wasn't into her. I think because maybe he was older. I think that's the case. Yeah. But but you're right. It's like, 
you really took a weird turn. And I understand the loneliness part. And I don't know, face cream? I, I don't know what you can do. Go to a doctor? Get get some shit done? Like, just use your brother as some way to be like, hey, they don't need to know who this guy is. Just, can you fix his fucking face? Look at this. Plastic <laughs> surgeon guy. I'm in California. Can you fix this guy? Well, we don't know what his status is. He might not have a heartbeat. There might be a lot of weird or, shit going on, but I'm sure you can find a doctor. Corpsey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not like, like aside that from all the stitches. Easier to work on because you could actually use like polyfill and stuff, like stuff you could use to make sculptures. You could use to form his face. Oh, you could just fix his face like um, morticians would. Yeah, exactly. Add, yeah, add totally. in the clay and paint mm-hmm. him to look like a. Yeah. And then yeah. take him out into That'd the world and then find yourself a person who, wink, wink, understands what's going on. So when you, you take that away. You could not do that in Sunnydale, though. Yeah, you'd, have, have, no, you'd to have to go somewhere else. Yeah. But you could find somebody who would not have any qualms about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The only problem is you would have to have a lot of money. She probably doesn't fucking work. So I she wonder. She doesn't seem like it. Right. So there would be a, a, a huge thing they would have to do to get a lot of money. But they could easily get him to look normal again and have a normal life. Yeah. And he seems like he wasn't like a monster, like, I just need something to fuck. It seemed like it's just like a loneliness. Like, okay, if he's just like starving for attention, mom, tell well, the mom. Thing that's and then interesting you got connection. About him is Chris says, when I first brought him back, he told me I shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. Like, Daryl knew when he was brought back that what happened was wrong and that he shouldn't be there. But he's gotten to this point now where he doesn't care that what happened was wrong. He's willing to kill someone to do that to them just so that he has someone like him. Yeah. Himself. Which is a really long evolution. Yeah. To go, I think. Grave robbing. That's new. Interesting. I know you meant to say gross and disturbing. Yes, yes, of course. A terrible thing. Must, Must put a stop to it. Okay, well, speaking of our main zombie bro, Daryl, uh, we're talking about zombies in this episode for possibly the first time. I'm going to try to give us a little bit more of a peek into the world than the lore of uh, Buffy and uh, the Whedon verse pertaining to Buffy and Angel at large. Um, there's not a super duper wealth and depth of things in this world. Continuity is not a thing. Uh, foresight also wasn't, apparently, when they started writing the show. But I'm going to give us as much as we can. So just... A real quick thing, note about the science building that they're in, that they destroyed, that the, goes up in flames and kills Daryl. That was part of the old Sunnydale High School, apparently. This school just cannot stand for long before it gets destroyed in some kind well, of cataclysm. Building it over a hellmouth doesn't help. Yes, exactly. So we all know about the uh, earthquake in 1819 that had the church go into the sub-whatever near the hellmouth, blah, blah, blah. Well, in 1937, there was another earthquake, the earthquake that... None other than the master got trapped in, and that's where he stayed until we meet him in Welcome to the Hellmouth. So, that earthquake in 1937 also destroyed the high school, and that's where that old science building is from. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's an old ass building. No shit. <laughs> I always thought that it was like a random warehouse. Me too. Until I watched it again this time. Yeah, so, and it's also hilarious because, like, well, then what was the master doing for literally 60 years just under the ground trying to get out? He really had to wait, really. And there's no information about that. So the last 60 years. And that's what I'm talking about. But Amazing. the main story here, <laughs> zombies. So we get some conflicting information. Not going to be the first or the last time this happens in the show. Giles mentioned specifically that zombies don't actually play, crave the flesh of the living. Xander has a line to Cordelia. All right, but if you come across the army of zombies, can you pay just before they eat your flesh? Xander? <sighs> huh? Zombies don't eat the flesh of the living. 
Yeah, I knew that. But did you see the look on her face? That's contrary to what we know as in popular culture, because obviously zombies do eat the flesh of the living and a lot of other fiction. It seems to depend on the zombie. Yeah. It, like, it's they're slow and fast zombies, too. Yeah. yeah, totally. But as far as our world's concerned, who corroborates this flesh idea, right? So we have this admission in here. So Giles definitely coming down on the side of they don't eat the flesh of the living. And then that sentiment's also echoed by Anya in another episode later in the show. We also have, uh, I was about to call him Wesley Wyndham Price, which is his name, but. (laughs) This character, am I getting Wesley Wyndham Price? (laughs) Casually known as Wesley. Wesley corroborates that they're not flesh eating when he tells Gunn in an episode of Angel that they're just a myth that flesh eating zombies. But Angel has to go and fuck up the continuity of the whole show by saying zombies are slow moving, dim witted things that crave human flesh in an episode of Angel. So. What a dick. I'm going to go on the side of everyone else that is an angel because I think that between Wes and uh, Giles, they have a little bit more knowledge. And say that Do you think don't. that Joss wanted them to not be sort of the generic fletching zombies and the David Greenwald's like, no, we need those zombies. And then that's the that's the rub. So in Buffy world, it's this way. And then Greenwald over here doing angels like, no. I'm not quite sure how it, it all came down. Or but they literally probably never thought twice about it. And when zombies came up in a random episode, they're like, yeah. Of course they eat the flesh. That's always been the way that it is, right? <laughs> Probably. That's the way that it is. Deus ex flesh eating. Yes. Uh, so we do have a couple of notable occurrences of zombies in the show. This one obviously being one. And we're going to, for this purposes, zombies extends to mean any kind of reanimated human. Something that died and came back to life that isn't explicitly a vampire. Because that would also... Buffy. <laughs> Buffy does that a couple times. Once or twice. So in the episode Nightmares, Billy, our friend, little Billy... There's a scene where they're getting chased by a horde of what appear to be zombies oh, yeah. back in the high school. Uh, the demon Ovu Mobani, yeah, he had a name, apparently, that possesses the mask that we see in Dead Man's Party that Joyce's dumbass friend, Carol, or whatever her name is, puts on and ends up raising an army of the dead. We should figure out what kind of deal this is. I mean, is it a gathering, a shindig, or a hootenanny? What's the difference? Well, gathering is Brie, mellow song stylings. Shindig, dip, less mellow song stylings, perhaps a large amount of malt beverage, and hoot nanny. Well, it's chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. In that episode, as with uh, in Nightmares, we don't actually see them eating anybody. They attack people, but they don't actually eat anything. Yeah. So another point for Giles and Wes and not for Angel. Uh, Jack O'Toole and his zombie little cadre in the Zeppo don't appear to eat, want to eat human flesh either. They just want to bake a cake, which is actually a bomb. Who says that? And in Fear Itself, the episode where the Halloween episode from season four, the little tiny Gaknar demon, that haunted house brings back their zombies in the basement. There's also a kid who gets uh, his neck broken on the stairs. He comes back. Not we, we don't show them interacting in a way that we could argue that maybe at one point they would eat people, but we don't see it. Uh, Joyce comes back in Forever, Raised by Dawn. Again, we don't see any of that play out to fruition, but it's a great episode. And He's a great still scene. my beating heart. Uh, Amy raises a zombie army in the season eight comics to attack Buffy's castle. Mm. And Amy also brings back Warren, who is mm-hmm. fleshless, and she's mm-hmm. using magic to keep him alive yeah. despite not having flesh. And he doesn't seem to want to eat anybody. No. So uh, Giles explicitly mentions Voodoo Priest being able to bring back people, but that they wouldn't. Anya actually makes this comment in a later episode where she corroborates they don't eat flesh. They would typically not eat flesh unless their zombie lord compelled them to. So it's not a natural instinct of theirs, even in the voodoo world that, that uh, Jasper brings up. Um, and just a quick note, 
George A. Romero did pass away this summer, so I just want to give a shout out to him. He brought us a lot of movies. I mean, of the Dead series, obviously we got Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead was the first one. Um, so without George Romero doing that way back, Dawn, um, Night of the Living Dead, we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff we have, even on Buffy for sure. So sorry, George, that you died. That's a bummer. <laughs> and as a note, George Romero had better um, diversity because yeah. he cast a black man to be the lead where, you know, Joss Whedon hasn't. Womp womp. Ever. They're coming to get you, Barbara. All right. And now for a throwback, I just oh. wanted to say, sure. I learned a couple things from this episode. And nice. I think Stacia did too. Daniel, did you happen to learn anything from this episode? I learned they didn't go to the bronze. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that this episode isn't actually school hired. Yes. <laughs> I, I learned probably nothing that I didn't already know. Don't fucking cut people up and try to make zombie brides. That's legit. You didn't know that? I No, I did know that. That's what I didn't already know. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. Yeah, I didn't learn anything. I got anything. really scared for a second. I didn't learn shit from this episode that I can think of. School me. Hard. I learned if you bring your brother back to life, he will definitely get you to dismember the corpses of young girls slash commit murder. If you're gonna make a zombie bride, just use one girl. We don't need pieces. It's probably the thing to learn. Just kill one person, bring it back like you did before. Why get all fancy? Why? And why go with three? She's way less monstrous. You just like, I don't know, drain her blood or something and she'll have like a little needle pinprick instead of a bunch of scars. Right. And also three, that's ambitious. Start with two. I mean, you got to work your way up in the world, so. Okay, to get out all of our excitement about this episode, because we clearly loved it so much, we're going to... Really quickly, just shout things at random about the episode at each other before we get into our rankings. So, Daniel, go. I like that it's a mandatory science fair, but Cordelia still signs up for on the sign-up sheet. Station. Is tomato a fruit or a vegetable? Fruit. <laughs> How do you feel about Mexicans? Weird joke. Loved it. Sorry. Uh, I'm an old-fashioned girl. I was raised to believe that men dig up the corpses and the women have babies. Why doesn't Ripper know how to ask out a woman? Right. Oh, yeah, good point. We've talked about that before. Willow trying to articulate a running back is super cute. Running? Something? Running? 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 running, running. Does he throw? Does he catch? Ask her to bless your laptop. (coughs) Karma! (coughs) Jenny drinking coffee before Starbucks was cool. Oh, yeah, because that is the only coffee Willow has. I love that Willow knows that Willow believes that she could cut up a body with the precision that no one would ever know that it was her along with the rest of the people in the science class, which was awesome. Go Willow. Oh yeah. Cut those bodies, girl. I'm the apex. (laughs) I wasn't sure it was you at first, Angel. So I stalked you into a dumpster. (laughs) Right. I could have said anything. (laughs) What up with the black flag and descendant stickers on the locker? What up? Oh yeah, descendant saw that. Thank God. Fucking Eric, sterilize that letter opener before going to cut open a dead body. For the love of God, will somebody scratch my nose? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Did you know what indigorous means? Because I do now. It means unseemly. Oh, nice. Who that? said that? Giles. Giles like, says it twice. I hope you don't find it indigorous. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I learned something new. Hello. I'm looking to get ahead. Also, Giles spoke to a press person in Sunnydale about human remains in an active police investigation. As what the hell? A press person? Who is this guy? <laughs> The cop later in the next episode says a media person. Who are these people? They're just like the cops. They don't really exist. Just for you, Daniel, love makes you do the wacky. <laughs> and I'll close out with fucking Eric having a pornography collection so prodigious that it scared me. <laughs> Xander Harris. 
All right, let's rank this sucker and close out the episode. So, we're going to go to our classic, <laughs> now famous categories. Yes. Willow hack something slash we talk about the net. Got an eight. Somehow. Well, she did jump on, because again, the coroner's office. Right, right, that's what it was. We got them records from the coroner's office. Charles even very early on in the episode, he's like, could you go in this thing? Tapping the computer. Yeah, Karen Karen didn't like that. But she thought that having information like that was better than having that pornography collection. They like coroner's offices a little better. (laughs) Well, I'm glad Karen is okay. It's all about her. Karen the robot. Yeah. Uh, Joyce is a terrible mom. Gets a five for not showing up. Yeah. Classic Joyce. Good job. Big Bad slash Monster of the Week. Got a five also because Ooh. while they are horrible people, like, okay, so here's my thing. The actual uh, costuming of, of Daryl was kind of cool. Um, the mm. the gashes were okay, but then there's really lazy work on the arm. There's a piece of metal that's supposed to be like oh, yeah. aperture that's holding them together just like flies off his arm. And uh, I actually totally agree with your five. At first when you said it, I was like, it's a 10 because of everything that we've said. Mm-hmm. But I think that the show completely bungled it halfway through yeah. and did not follow through pretty much in anything. If it was just Eric and his fucking psychosis and hit just him, maybe we're talking a bit. But when you put all of them together, it just, yeah. it gets so muddied and... I think a five is that's, appropriate. That's it's, the scariest okay. part of the episode is that mm-hmm. teenage boys at Sunnydale High are dismembering corpses and threatening to murder corpses. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. So uh, that's really scary. But the the, the monster itself, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a whatever. So we get a five for there. Yeah. Giles Level Giles, nine. He's walk, rocking out like a three-piece sweater set the whole time. He's doing like, be, saying the funniest things like indecorous. Come on. He also throws some again. shade where he says something about Jenny uh, studying uh, like, looking up stuff and then she's like he's like no no i'm not studying just looking stuff up on the computer that's right yeah oh and making fun of american football no (laughs) i just think it's rather odd that a nation that prides itself on its virility should feel compelled to strap on 40 pounds of protective gear just in order to play rugby uh relationship goodness or badness slash friendships uh i gave it a date i'm gonna say probably because the giles and jenny factor i feel like had to that they get the first date and we get a second date it was awesome I think it's great, the whole Mexican conversation. Like, you have a thing, I have a thing. Mm-hmm. And then you say, how do you feel about Mexican? Mexicans? So. I found Jenny to be odd in that scenario where she was like, I gotta go. And then had plenty of time to then talk <laughs> about the rest of it. Also, the friendship stuff, I think it's another interesting case where I think we all have different conceptions about what it is. Because like with the whole thing with Buffy, she seemed to be the only one on some level who was like, completely anti like what was happening right and the rest of them were kind of apologetic they're on her side but they're not so much they're it's interesting apologists which is not great it's weird True. it's weird but then also okay so chris though dangerously misguided he was trying to make his brother happy he just that's loved they say. his family that's what they say so you know who else loved their family walter white i mean not good not good i'm just saying I gave it an eight, which is probably in retrospect a little high, but don't worry because for the episode specific, we got a zero of 10 for clumsy locker cutout is clumsy as fuck. So if you're going to dismember people, let's not detail our plans in a locker. In a locker. In a locker. Also, I love that they printed off sheets that just said like locker numbers or whatever. It was all so official (laughs) instead of writing it down on a piece of paper or something like so no one would ever know. Come on, guys. So that gives me a grand total of 36 for this episode, which I'm sure I will regret. And that's going to put this at two of two for the season. Stacia, well, how did easy. you feel about this episode? For rankings. Yeah. I hate this episode. <laughs> I hate this episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Almost more than every episode we've seen, except for in the back, which might be the perennial last one. 
That's good. Forever. That's fun. Nice. So I put it penultimate, second to last. Second to last, behind the pack. Uh, I'm doing one out of what? 137? Right. 132. Damn! It started off really good. I mean, the premise is great. I think that gives it, instead of being the very last episode, it was able to go up five places from being the worst <laughs> based only on its thing, which should have been a lot higher, mm-hmm. but they completely fucked it up. Terrible episode. It's bunk. This episode sucks. And sucks. I've always had a special place in my heart for when she was bad, and then I feel like the second episode, it's like, yeah. right <laughs> into the weeds. And isn't that what happens? It's always like, here's oh, that's three greatest episodes of all time. Go through five shit. <laughs> like, you got to get back. So yeah, get used to that roller coaster, right? And that's really where we're at. So I think this is one of the worst episodes out there. And I know what my bottom four are underneath that. So Damn. All right. So a couple scathing takes for some assembly required. Meanwhile, Kelly's got her set at number two. <laughs> I know. Just for the season. How embarrassing. Season. How embarrassing. <laughs> number two. It'll Ooh. end up number 22, I can almost assure you. But there are some treats ahead. Don't forget, Go Fish is in our future. So oh my God. that is season two, episode two, some assembly required in the books. Uh, we are a real podcast. You can follow us on the places that you go to for social media, like Twitter. It's going to be at BeatMePod. Uh, we have a website, BeatMePod at Tumblr. <laughs> uh, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. That's the one. That's it. We also have a Tumblr, though, while we're on the show. If you want to just dive into that, every it's just going to go week by week, so it's not random stuff. It's really going to be... If you if you want to dive into this, watch it live, and then go to Tumblr, you're going to have hundreds of posts. By hundreds, I mean dozens. By dozens, <laughs> maybe about ten. So. A wealth of information on there Tumblr you go. for yeah. our podcast. But uh, you can subscribe anywhere. Podcasts are not sold that are available, you know, for free. iTunes, Stitcher, any of your things. And Our robots are also expensive. You can always, um, you know, donate. Yeah, we don't have a donate button. We still but don't have a place for people to send us money. you got to stop. I know, but in the future so. we will. So there's a donate button. <laughs> there's also <laughs> oh all God. kinds of... Um, do we have an email for this one? Yeah, beatmepod at gmail.com. Well, hey, drop us a line. Beatmepod at gmail.com. Like us on iTunes. You could write us a review. You could do all the things on Real Podcasts because we're Real Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful week. In 1997. Goodbye, 1997. Goodbye, 1997.